Renaturing is bringing together all of the pieces of who we are at the deepest, most natural level to a cohesive, conscious whole. This means stripping away what we learned but doesn't serve us anymore. It means learning, relearning who we are and how to trust that. Because once we have that knowledge and trust, we get to be who we were always meant to be. It feels like freedom or coming home. It feels like predestiny because we stray so far becoming denatured in our effort to become modern day humans. I'm Betsy Kudlinski. I learned how to be a modern human. I did it and had all the things I was supposed to, but I was desperately sick and unhappy, lost. I felt trapped in a cage, but I couldn't see the bars. Some part of me knew this was wrong. I knew I was meant for more, or at least something different. How could life possibly be about miserably trudging along until I died? This podcast is about the essential pieces in the process of renaturing. It's only about me in as much as my story can be helpful as a material example of renaturing. Really, it's about you and all of us. Return to your nature. Hey, so I had a whole plan for what I was going to talk about in this particular episode. We were going to talk about the feeling of being trapped, um, which is the feeling that I get when I know I need freedom the most and when I know I need to ground and recenter and renature the most. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about what I was going to talk about. And I realized that it was getting me agitated to spend a full episode talking about that horrible feeling as far as I'm concerned. The horrible feeling of being trapped in my life. And so I decided that I wasn't going to subject anybody to that, including myself. (laughs) Um, I can touch on it. Uh, Let me touch on that horrible feeling when I know that I need freedom the most. Um, I feel like I'm stuck in a cage. I feel like I'm pacing back and forth along the bars of a cage. I feel like everywhere I look, there's bars and walls and um, maybe a little window, but often not. I get um, completely closed in and um, riddled with anxiety and depression. And, um, you know, it can go on for months sometimes. And sometimes it's just a momentary feeling of just, oh my God, I can't do anything. Um, Brian, can you identify with this feeling at all? Yeah, I can definitely identify with that. I think we kind of get, at least for me, there's so many voices out there that tell you, you got to go, you know, 100% or 110% every minute of every day if you want to be successful successful if you want to get to a certain and you know it pardon me that just doesn't work it's at least it doesn't work for me and i need to what i've learned especially like with, with working through you or with you is that there are times where you just have to be where you're at in the moment but then there are and then listen to your body because then there are other times when you're going to there are days i'm super productive and there's days that Mm-hmm. I just yeah. go with uh, but grabbed when you feel like you're not doing it. Yeah. There's when you feel like you're not doing enough. There's um, the thing that I do sometimes is uh, so over this past winter during the 
um, end, I guess, of the COVID-19 thing before um, vaccines were ubiquitous. Um, I was feeling desperate to get out, um, whether it was out of country, out of this particular residence. I, it was. It becomes a desperation feeling for me of, I got to get out, I got to get out, I got to get out, whether it's changing jobs, whether it's changing houses, whether it's, it's a, it's a visceral thing for me that I'm stuck. And, um, you know, this, this past winter, I actually was able to um, personify it by going, oh, my boyfriend won't move. Not true. Like, like none of it is true. And yet it's the story I'm telling myself, like, I, I, I create this big story about how I'm just completely stuck here. And if I want to, if I want to do what I want to do, then I'm gonna have to deal with such and such and such and such, you know, like, and it's, and it's always untenable and something that I could do, but I'm not willing to do it. And, um, it gets really miserable. (laughs) (laughs) So whether it's, whether it's, um, feeling like you need to be further along in your business, whether it's feeling like the entire country has an outlook that's different from yours and, um, you know, like for me, it was, oh my God, how can I possibly even identify as part of this country when everybody thinks so differently from me? Hmm. Or um, I get uh, trapped in a job, right? Like yeah. I, I start to get frustrated in a day job and I just need need to get out. And um, sometimes that's truly true. Sometimes the need to get out the fact you know sometimes you really are trapped in like an abusive marriage or um you're trapped in oh, a family you know like it it sometimes it's it's actually true and um i almost feel like that's a productive use of our stress hormones <laughs> you know like when we're we're actively trapped in a dangerous situation and we need all of those stress hormones to figure out a way out. And instead, my stress hormones flare about things that really aren't the biggest deal, objectively. And sometimes I can be in the middle of it and be fully aware that this is not a huge deal. And yet my body is freaking out. (laughs) Like I'm stuck in that free state. And so my, I, I have several courses of action over the past several years, you know, I'll, I'll dissociate and just check out. Um, or I will panic and become, you know, one point suicidal, or um, I get really nasty, which is probably a fight type response. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I feel like that's enough. Like that's as much as I want to say about the horribleness. <laughs> <laughs> period there's like two minutes there right yeah okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i would prefer to talk about the ways that i find my way out um and sometimes sometimes it takes a long time for me to get there sometimes i get stuck in that whirlpool i just get pulled down into the whirlpool of stress hormone induced trauma like mm. misery and sometimes I am good enough at catching myself early. And in either case, sometimes, you know, when you catch yourself early, you can get out of it a little faster. 
Um, one of the things that I've talked to you about is relaxing and allowing, mm-hmm. um, allowing the the rest. You know, one of the conversations we've had is, um, and I think you talked about it, is um, your kind of your your you're in meditation and mm-hmm. you don't really want to come out of it, and you feel like you should, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um you know one of my suggestions was well maybe you just need that maybe you need as much time in meditation as you need and then you can you can be productive another time like just because it's not going on the schedule that you think that you should have doesn't mean that it's not going to happen it's just yeah. you can't make yourself do stuff necessarily um so that's actually one of the first things that I would suggest to myself is mm-hmm. to allow, you know, if, if what's really happening is I'm pinwheeling in my head, I'm getting sucked into that vortex is I'll allow myself to rest. Yeah. If that means sleeping, if that means meditating, if that means listening to super calming music instead of a, like a fun and interesting and stimulating book, I will do that. Um, instead of trying to overlay the anxiety and the freeze, the trapped response, um, I will um, just try to relax. And I don't mean relax into it, because often when we relax into something like that, we keep telling the story, which just perpetuates the entire thing. The other thing that I always suggest to people, first, 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 is to start paying attention to the language you're using. Um, I know that when I feel trapped, the language that I use is should, must, have to, need to, can't, right? Like I can't get out of this. I should do such and such and such and such. I have to such and such, you know, like I need this and this. And it it's giving away your power. We have authority and agency to some extent, every single one of us, and we have a lot more than we think we do. Our society and culture um, teaches us that we don't have the agency that we have. It's easier. <laughs> like, it's easier in this society for everybody to be a good little sheep. And it's easier to, you know, in, in the school system, right? Like, as kids grow up, it's easier to have a class of 32 students if they're all sitting and facing you quietly. You know, you can't make them pay attention to you, but you try, right? Like that's what teachers do. And 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 it it starts tiny, right? It starts it's it starts with parents telling telling their kids that they need to settle down. They need to calm themselves and ask for what they want calmly. And, you know, it's, it's doing us an injustice, I think, all the way along to take away our agency by replacing it with shoulds, needs, to can'ts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, just even saying those words, like, I feel my body tighten. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like, how, how does your body feel right now while all of this talk about should and have to? I mean, I, because I'm not the one saying it. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Do think you want to I, try? I, 
Yeah, it, it, but once I start to, it's very easy because because I am a I need to do this kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like my brain says you need to do X, Y, and Z, but my body, my spirit, saying, "Hey, no, we just need we need we need just time and, and yeah. just space, and we'll get to there. We'll get there." Yeah. But right now, we need something different than work. Right. And uh, that's you know that's my internal battle. That's when the anxiety creeps up on me because I feel I almost I guess you could say I feel guilty for listening to my body. Or my oh, yeah. I'm sorry. And I identify with that. I can identify with that. Um, So what I always encourage people to do, instead of listening to the need to's um, and amping themselves up that way, is to instead choose. Mm. Choose that you want to do something or you don't want to do something. And uh, what I usually talk about um, cleaning your house because your mother-in-law is going to come in. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, so you have a dirty house, right? Like, mm-hmm. what? What is that going to do, right? You have to decide. What's it going to do if your mother-in-law comes to the house and it's dirty? You'll probably get looks. You might get comments, and oh god, she might even start to clean it. <laughs> and and then you balance, like you look at it on balance, right? You're like, okay, so it's going to take me hassle and a couple hours to clean this house and i'm gonna be fussing the entire time and then when she gets here dude she's gonna find something else to complain about you know like it's just that's just a thing there's but i'd rather she found something else to fuss about i really don't want her cleaning my sink (laughs) it's just embarrassing i don't really care that she judges me for being dirty but but I like to clean the sink my way. Yeah, I guess, I guess, you know what? I want to clean the house my way. I like it messy. I'm perfectly comfortable with it messy, but if I'm going to, if it's going to get clean, I want to do it my way. So yeah, I want to clean the house for my mother-in-law to be here. You know, it, it's, it's this like in my head, if you couldn't tell, it's this weird, long involved little conversation with myself <laughs> to get to the point where, yeah, yeah, I I want to follow the speed limit because I don't want to pay $500 in speeding tickets. Mm-hmm. Just just not a thing I want to do. I'd rather spend that money doing something else. Or um, you know, I really I I really do want to kill my mother and Willa when she's here and I I can deal with 25 years to life. <laughs> But you have the choice. You're right. making these choices. And for a little while, it takes a long time to do that whole internal dialogue. And mm-hmm. go ahead and do it out loud. Like, there's a reason I go into the woods and walk a lot. <laughs> do it out <laughs> loud. And, and understand that it's ludicrous. That you don't have to do anything. You can choose not to do something and deal with what happens. Right. You can choose to do something because it's easier than dealing with the repercussions. And and of course, there's always lots of, I mean, there are so many things that we talk about. I'll bet you there's so many things that you say you have to do or you need to do and you actually enjoy doing them. But as soon as you put them on the list as a need to do or have to do or should do, it just takes a little bit of the enjoyment out. Yeah. 
Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's when you try to structure your day and some people thrive on that, you know, some people like to make lists and and know exactly what they're going to do when they want to do it. I'm not, I, I am more of a kind of go with the flow kind of guy. And, and I'm at my most peak state when I just let things happen. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I try to make a list, then it's like, I'm putting expectations on myself. That's saying, if you don't get this done, then you fail. Yeah. And I don't like that feeling. And that's, you know, so I tend to, I I know, I I know what I want for my future. I know where I'm going to go, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm trying to get better at letting things happen organically as opposed to trying to force myself to deliver something that is probably not going to be at the quality level that it should be if I force myself to do it as opposed to want to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm actually super glad that you said that, like the whole thing, mm-hmm. because I work really well with lists. Mm-hmm. And scheduling my time. Yeah, I do. And so it's like there there are as many ways to get things done as there are people out there. So I like to have a list. I like to schedule out my days. To me, that gives me freedom. Mm. (laughs) I make the choice of what things I want to do. Not things I have to do. Not things I need to do. Not things... I, you know, should do things I want to do. And I change, I I make sure that I'm very careful of the wording as I do this. And then I make lists or I schedule things out. Like first I'm going to do this, this, I'm going to do this. And this is how the timing is going to work for the day. Um, And then I, then I can just like stop thinking and like worrying about all the things that I want to get done. Because if I know what they are, and I'm not going to forget them because I can always look at the dumb phone, right? right. Or um, I know that the alarm's going to go off 10 minutes before I'm going to record the podcast, so I'm not going to forget to do it mm-hmm. because I could get stuck doing, God knows, like washing dishes right. in the sink. I hate washing dishes, but <laughs> <laughs> once I get into it, turn on music, start dancing, washing dishes, I'll forget anything. So <laughs> I, I, I like, to me, making those decisions beforehand, like in the morning while I'm drinking my coffee or something like that, making the decisions for what is already scheduled in the day, what other things I want to do with it. And then it's out of my hands and I'm just free to kind of do each piece as it comes up. And I love that you work a completely opposite way. Yeah. I I mean, I guess in a, in a way I create lists, but they're in internal, right. They're in my mind. Hey, I need to do X, Y, and Z by, you know, Friday. And then I just kind of, or I use the whiteboards. I use my whiteboards a lot just to kind of write thoughts down. Mm-hmm. And then when I come to a point in, in the day where it's like, okay, it's time to focus in on the work. I look and I, you know, I take a look at either the whiteboard or I kind of do that mental, um, you know, shuffle through the the mental list to say, what do I really want to get done? Like what, you know what? Yeah, there's sometimes where there's a need. If I'm working with somebody and they're scheduled, oh, yeah. I, I know that has to happen. So I yeah. prime myself for that moment. But if it's a day where it's just, okay, Brian's going to work on his, you know, content, you know, I'm going to create some videos for YouTube. Well, you know, I know what I want to create and I've got the day to do it rather than try to pinpoint everything. I just kind of go, yeah, it's, it's, it's a go with the flow. I guess there's a, 
there's there's good and bads to both sides. You just got to do what works best for you. How do you exactly. how do you work? Um, how are you the most productive? Exactly. And I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. When I got together with my um, partner, my boyfriend, I um, he would not write down anything. Like he'd have mm. a sheaf of like doctor's appointments cards in his wallet, but he didn't look at them. Yeah. And so I started just calendarizing everything of his <laughs> so that I knew so that I could make sure he knew. And I have found recently that um, he's been doing that. So, so I, I don't, you know, I haven't spoken to him directly. Um, it's possible that he's doing it to get me off his back, <laughs> but I, I actually don't think so. I think that it's possible that he didn't want to feel hemmed in <laughs> and putting putting things on a calendar, scheduling things, even the doctor's appointments felt like hemming himself in to him. And I think that it's, it's possible that after having a secretary for a while to just remind him and to keep track of these things, um, it's possible that he realized that it wasn't really hemming him in, hemming himself in. It meant that he didn't have to try to remember when he wouldn't anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so like I said, I have not had that particular discussion with him and he's never going to listen to the podcast. So I'm not worried, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, that's, uh, I think, I think it's worth trying yeah. the various ways of doing things. And if it gives you heart palpitations to consider scheduling yourself, then for God's sakes, don't do it. And if going with the flow think makes you feel like you might just fly apart into a gazillion pieces don't do it right <laughs> maybe like inch in to either one if if what you're used to doing is the other way inch in like i have i have also um since being with him i have found a delight in just going with the flow yeah. sometimes you know like and and it's it's kind of like um combining the two i'll have the thing scheduled that i really have to do and then i'll just sometimes schedule a day off <laughs> yeah. i can just know that nothing's gonna happen and i can do anything i want to do and if that's if that's doing something for my work then absolutely that's the best thing in the world and if it's a day to just completely relax and just take the time for myself then that's also just as valid mm -hmm. and useful to me and I refuse to allow my previous programming to make me feel guilty for yeah. doing something different because I chose to take that day off. I chose to do whatever it was that I felt like doing that day. I think for me too, when I think about um, when I have a lot to do, because I have so many thoughts that go through my head every minute <laughs> of the day. Um, when I'm in a situation, I, I can thrive in a situation where I'm, told what to do uh, mm -hmm. not not like told in a in a in a bad way but if i had like a personal assistant forever uh, for for instance and, and at the beginning of each day i had a call with that assistant said okay you know brian here's what you've got going on for the week here's the times and the dates um i work well in that situation when somebody else is keeping track of the what needs to be done mm -hmm. and you just kind of tell me because it's less that i have to worry about in my in my head and then you also have the freedom to go hey Oh, I've got that at one o'clock. I don't like it. Let's reschedule. Yeah. Um, 
you can kind of when when you're being told what needs to be done, but you still retain the freedom to decide if it gets done. Uh, it's kind of a weird in between world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's that's for me. That's that that would be optimal. Well, we're we're sold that everything is one way or another. Oh man, I'm yeah. gonna cough. <coughs> we can edit that out. That's good. <laughs> that was just gonna happen. Whew. All right, twelve forty, right around twelve thirty, <coughs> and now apparently. <coughs> Sorry, that's probably really okay loud in your ear. Yeah, so. It's not 12:30, it's 27 26:30. Yeah, I can I read it. too. I got it. Wow. <laughs> Holy moly. <clears throat> okay. I can be back now. <laughs> <laughs> so, after after I start to look at my language when I'm feeling trapped, there is another technique that I use, and that is to just get moving. Um, so often when I feel trapped, um, I'm doing what I what I like to call hamster wheels in my head, just mm-hmm. spinning, spinning and spinning on thoughts. And they're usually agitated, anxiety-producing thoughts. And so um, I like to get into my body. Like we were talking last time about getting into our body as a way to reconnect with it. But it's kind of like, this is a way to get out of my mind. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm too far into my mind, I've completely forgotten that there is anything else out there. (laughs) I've completely forgotten that I have a body. I've completely forgotten that um, there's, there's anything beyond my pinwheeling little brain. And so I walk, I get into nature, I dance while doing the dishes, I, um, I do any number of activities that mean that I'm paying attention to something outside of my head. So um, uh, you and I had a conversation, I think it might have been on your podcast, where I was talking about going out into the woods for the first time after a long time and sitting there and feeling disconnected, feeling like a like I wasn't a part of nature. I felt like mm-hmm. I was separate and I wasn't connected. And I told you about how I realized that with like this wave of grief that it had been so long since I'd been out in the woods because I had been injured. And um, I got out there and I was happy to be there and I knew it was beautiful and I was feeling disconnected. And it's, I had, I had spent several weeks injured and trapped in my body, in my house with pain in my back. And so I had to reconnect. And the way that I was talking to you about reconnecting was to close my eyes and start to feel and sense the world around me. You know, the, the, feel of the sun and the wind on my skin or my clothes, the sense of, you know, the pine on the, 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 the aroma of the pine on the air, um, the decaying leaves. And I started to listen to the little bitty rustlings of the chipmunks and the mice under the leaf litter and the 
branches and the limbs of the trees swaying back and forth in the wind. And, um, you know, to a certain extent, if you open your mouth, you can taste the forest, but that's, that's frequently a harder sense. And then I finally opened my eyes back up again. And instead of being separate and just seeing, um, because so often sight is our go-to thing and it's the only thing that we pay attention to. So I did everything else first. And then I opened my eyes and I, I felt clicked in and connected. And so I need to connect when I feel trapped, when I feel um, separate. I need to connect um, with my body, with nature, with my surroundings, with anything outside of my head. <laughs> uh, is there anything that you do, Brian, that works when you're um, in a pretty good state of anxiety? Well, I mean, kind of along the same lines, meditation for me works the best. Now, the setting, um, I've got a certain room in my house that I go to, mm -hmm. a certain chair that I sit in. I've made it very routine to where <clears throat> it's a trigger or it's um, it's an anchor. So when the anxiety starts to to build and I can feel it coming, just, just by going and sitting in that room in that specific chair and lighting an incense, you know, so I get the smell of the, the incense. It's like if I did nothing else, the anxiety will go away. Mm -hmm. um, it's because I've, I've made it this routine. This, that, 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 to me, that's my forest is, is that room yeah. in the chair. But then when I, you know, then when I actually get into the meditation, I've been doing it long enough and I'm good enough at it now to where I can stop all thought um, words that go, go through the head and it'll, <clears throat> they'll start to turn into visual. Um, so it's like I'm seeing with my eyes closed, but it, it's more like in a store. Mm -hmm. And that's where I get, <clears throat> that's where I get the answers to my questions. I don't really know how to explain it other than, you know, I'm going to a different place. But, I've just heard uh, of it as wordlessness. Yeah, it's yeah, it's no <clears throat> it's no words. It's just it's right. just all visual. But language drops away and it actually becomes just possible. But but it starts it starts by going to that place that mm -hmm. that is my place of and so mm -hmm. yeah. So it's kind of same thing, just a different little bit different setting, but Yeah. Yeah, and there are, are tons of techniques out there, mm -hmm. and you just got to find something that works for you. And it's helpful to have an entire toolbox worth. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the last thing that I always have to remind myself to do, so getting into nature or taking a walk or um, paying attention to the language that I'm using and emphasizing choice and agency, um, the thing that it's hardest for me to do is to get help. Mm. And I don't mean like a therapist. Therapists are great. Get a therapist for by all means, get a therapist. But in that feeling, that that feeling of being trapped, I feel so alone and lonely, like I'm in there all by myself. And I find that even just just the intention to reach out, you know, it's helpful if you have a partner. If it's super helpful if you have, an, have a partner that's supportive, but a friend, a mentor, a, you know, I have, I have actively nurtured a relationship or two in my life that are specifically so that I'm not alone in areas of my life. Um, uh, I have a really good friend who is like way more than just uh, in the specific capacity now, but um, 
I literally just asked on this Facebook group. I was like, I want somebody to do this particular project with. And, you know, we can just go along parallel to each other. You know, we're doing something completely different. And it's, I'm not looking for um, uh, like an exercise buddy. I'm not looking for somebody who's going to keep me honest. And I am. And um, I, I just want to do this process with somebody. And we've become really close and we talk every week. And so I can reach out to her even in between the week in between <laughs> between the days that we talk, I can reach out to her and ask, hey, I'm struggling on this. I'm I'm starting to get a little bit weird. And even just the act of asking for help, even just the act of saying I'm pinwheeling, I'll be at work and um, uh, getting wound up about something. And I will just text my boyfriend, this is happening. And the act of asking, the act of enlisting, the act of saying out loud or in writing to somebody who cares about you that this is a story that's happening is immensely powerful. It draws in another person you're not alone anymore, even if they can't do a damn thing. You know, like my boyfriend is constantly just saying, oh, hon, hon I'm so sorry that things are going badly for you. <laughs> that's it. Like he can't do anything. <laughs> but but I'm no longer alone in the, my frustration. And to me, that's incredibly healing. I, I have gone through most of my life feeling alone that I have to do everything by myself. And that is a theme within our culture, for sure, that fierce independence of not asking for help, not putting ourselves out there, not being vulnerable, not anything. And it's, I guess, having safe people to be vulnerable with, to admit that there's a hesitancy or a, a just a vulnerability there in this moment uh, draws out the claws. Like it, it. Uh, I'm, I'm picturing, I'm picturing being held by like a, a, a tiger or a lion, mm -hmm. like and having their claws like all in me, and just saying help. Just they're retracting their claws a little bit and it doesn't hurt so much. It's still the impact. It's still being held by something that's a little bit terrifying, but it's not quite as painful as it was. Um, it's definitely something that I would recommend. And it's terrifying. We are not taught to be vulnerable. Right. Um, and it's important to do it with people you trust because it can backfire and be horrible and you have to develop that trust and know that it's going to be humans are going to be humans and we are all taught that fierce independence thing which means that we drop each other all the time mm -hmm. without meaning to um but like I'll, i i have asked my boyfriend like i i have said hey i need you to be very careful to be there for me when i need you because i need to build up this trust and I know that it's, it's not always going to work and you're not always going to be there for me. But if you're being careful to be there for me, then when you're not, it's less often than when you are. And even just asking that is ridiculously vulnerable. It's, it's so hard to ask for what you need. I have always just supplied myself with what I needed or known that I wasn't going to get it. Mm. And um, that sucks. I'm trying a different way. Yeah. <laughs> 
humans cannot live in isolation. No. And and we all know that, and yet we all believe we have to. Do you have anybody to ask for help? Oh yeah, I mean I've got. I always keep a. I've got my circle. You know, that's something that it, it took a long time for me because I I was that one. For many, many, many years, most of my life, I was afraid of vulnerability because I thought it showed weakness and mm-hmm. I never wanted to show weakness because I had the pre, well, you know, you, you're raised and at least the way I was raised, you know, men are men and we don't cry and we don't have a sensitive side and, you know, <laughs> we are the hunters and, um, and I couldn't, that's just not how my structure's made up. I, I, I mean, I... <sighs> When it comes to, um, like, I need to release. I need people in my corner that I could, like you said, trust that I could say, hey, this is going on. But it's, unfortunately, it took me like 40 some odd years to to uh, recognize that. And then where I learned it was in. <laughs> is it the thing, huh? <laughs> yeah. The gym, I started boxing, mm-hmm. um, training as boxing. And you can't go at that alone. Like you need people to critique you when you're in the ring. You need people in your corner, just if nothing else, for support, telling you to keep going, keep pushing. Because, you know, you get, <laughs> I mean, for me, um, you know, I'm not, I've always been a bigger guy. And and so I was never, my cardio is not, I focus on strength and not cardio. So I always needed somebody I was just about ready to run out of gas. And that was it. And like, no, you got it. 30 more seconds, 30 more seconds. And then 30 seconds goes 30 more seconds. Um, I found that I need that kind of support. And, and I need to, and I discovered vulnerability was once I became vulnerable and I, and even just in my life and telling my story, so much weight came off mm-hmm. of my shoulders and I, and, and so now, you know, where I'm at in life, I, I, I'm, if I need help, I ask for it. I've, if I need to get something off my chest, I get up. I'm not a, fr- I don't hold it in anymore. Good. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, if, if whoever's listening, if they don't have somebody like that, then find somebody. Yeah. Even if you have to hire somebody, seriously, you won't, you won't have hired you won't have to hire somebody forever. Right. You know, like that's actually like part of one of the things that I do for people is I am a trusting, not quite friend. Right. But mm-hmm. like I can be that friend temporarily until you've built up the strength in yourself to be vulnerable. I think once people start being vulnerable and they break down those walls, it's, oh, yeah. it's a, it's a quick transition to it is isn't it amazing i find that just the coolest thing is how fast we can change you know we are we are doing something for 40 years of our lives right like our entire lives and then something clicks in and you're like well i i can try it i Mm -hmm. I can try it this hurts too much let me try something different and then all of a sudden you're like oh dude why haven't (laughs) i been doing this for the last 35 years (laughs) yeah and you know you you go into stuff figuring that it's going to take forever for you to change and all of a sudden you've changed and it's been like a half a second i know um in my 20s and 30s i i mean i had a lot of insecurities uh, behind the scenes but i always put on that false bravado mm-hmm. you know um and i did all the things that were you know that i was taught young as to do right you 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 have to show up you're you've got to be the coach for your kids sports teams and you know uh Going into a social setting used to give me anxiety. I mean, I had social anxiety because I did not know how to interact. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it wasn't so much that I didn't know. I was just so insecure in who I was. 
that I was afraid to interact because I didn't want people not to like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say from experience that is a lot more painful than just being vulnerable oh, and yeah. asking for help. Uh, struggling to hold up your, you know, keep that mask on whatever it is that you need help with that you're not asking. That that is going to be way more painful than just going to somebody you can trust, paid, unpaid, whatever, and say, I need help with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what I'm going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's three ideas on how to handle when you are feeling trapped or feeling stuck in the whirlpool of anxiety and stuckness <laughs> <laughs> is check your language, check that you are choosing to do things and not going with what you were just taught to do or be. Right. Um, move, get out of your head because your head is not a good place to be right then. And then ask for help. Usually one or a combination of those things can get me out. Even if I've been there for months and I'm just so stuck. And then all of a sudden I'm like, dude, I can do something about this. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> you discover your, you discover a power you didn't know you had. And then it's also just a relief because now you're not the only yeah carrying that burden. You've got somebody else that can, if nothing else, listen. Yeah. Yeah. Support this podcast through the link in the episode description and get a chance to hear post episode conversations. Help me decide on content and future guests, ask questions, get answers. In the meantime, check out my website. Links can also be found in the description. I'm a freedom guide. If what I'm talking about, about renaturing and freedom and walking your own path makes you tingle all over or cry or jump up and down, I'm available and would be delighted to work one-on-one with you.